If you have your Bibles, where, where, where do I want you to turn? Go to Psalms 5. Psalms 5. And uh, last several weeks in ministering, on my opportunity to minister to you, um, I talked about there's no other foundation than Jesus. We talked about, you know, about no other name higher than Jesus. Last week I talked about the importance of trust and honor. They that know thy name will trust in the Lord. Knowing the name is not just being able to say his name, but it's about knowing his person. It's about knowing his character. It's about knowing his attributes. It's about knowing him. Getting into the word of God is not about... Getting into the Word so I can memorize Scripture. Getting in the Word of God is to come to a place where I know Him. That's the that's that's what coming to church isn't about. Saying, "Hey, I did I did my I did my religious duty for the week." No, coming to church is about getting to know Him. You know, we're we we were doing the first things first, and and you know we still have the, the churches open, and I know people are continuing to join us in prayer. At 633, but also we're going through the word. You know, uh, today I believe is the last, uh, reading the last chapter of, uh, no, tomorrow is the last chapter in Acts. And then we'll start in, in Corinthians next month. And, and so we'll finish the whole New Testament by June. And so, so if you want to know those reading plans, you can go to the Church Center app. But it's something that, that I know is important for us to get into the word, not just so we can say, hey, I did my reading for the day. No, no, the point is I got to know God better today. I got to discover him today. I got to discover who I am in him today. That's why we go to church. That's why we read the word. That's why we pray. It's, a, it's all about encountering him. That's what heritage of faith is all about. Why we're here is there's hurting people outside our walls. What we're called to do is to make winners in life. How do we do it? We bring people to an experience with God. I don't people have an experience with Justin. I mean, you, you will be totally let down. But it is experiencing God. It's about being equipped with the word to the point where you go out and you take that experience and you take what you've been equipped with and then you engage yourself to influence the world around us. That's what heritage of faith is all about. And, and, and so that's why it's so important to understand and get into the word. Get into the word. I, before I read some, I have in my heart to read just part of Something that Dr. Swell gave us, uh, I believe it was on January 16th. He says, in 2022, we'll continue to be challenging, but much better than previous two years. There'll be strong opposition from two distinct forces, light and darkness. Satan will do all that he can do to lull God's people into spiritual slumber so that he can keep them from enjoying God's best. Say this with me. I'm not going to sleep. And it says, but on the other hand, God at the same time will be drawing them to spend more quality time with him and his word so that they can remain strong and win every battle. So God is drawing us to spend more quality time with him. That's what, that's why first things first, that's why the word, that's why making a, making church a priority in your life. The church will continue to feel the effects of growing pains but through greater insight, revelation, and wisdom from God, it will, joy, it, it, it will enjoy some of its greatest victories. Amen. Can you, can you shout to God about it, enjoying some of our greatest victories? Yes. Greatest victories. Greatest victories. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now let's look at Psalms 5. Remember last week I talked about trust and honor concerning his name. But let all those who rejoice, who put their trust in you, let them ever shout for joy because you defend them or you spread protection over them. You surround them. Remember Dr. Savell with the umbrella? Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor and you will surround him as with a shield. I love that. Let those who love your name. Love is, an, is a term of affection. It's a, it's a term of adoration. It's a term of, of honor. Let those that love your name be joyful in you. Now let's go to Psalms 9. Psalms 9. But before you read that, I want to read Psalms 29. It says, Give unto the Lord glory due unto his name. 
worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. One thing we discovered last week, or one of the things we discovered was you can't separate trust from honor and honor from trust, right? Remember the egg? You know, trust and honor. You, you're going to, you're going to, when you trust something, you're going to honor it. And when you honor something, it's going to produce trust. They go hand in hand. It's, it's all about relationship. Now let's look at Psalms nine and we'll get into some, some things today. Verse nine says, the Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. And those who know your name, when I know his name, when I know who he is, when I know who he is, when you discover who he is, you're going to trust him. When you know his name, it's not, no, when you know him, the more you spend time with someone, the more that you will trust them or you'll distrust them. You see? So, so this time he's drawing us away to more and more quality time with him. So the more that I get to know him, the more my trust will be able to flourish more that my confidence in him will be. And those who know your name will put their trust in you for you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Now, I I, I printed something out of some one of the study tools that I use. And and I wanted I wanted to look at this word because he doesn't forsake those. He he doesn't let go of those that seek him. Now, we can look at the word seek as in, you know, going after something, searching for something. But in this particular word, seek, in the study that I use, it actually has, this is the very first word, which means it's probably the most prominent understanding of what this word seek is in the Hebrew. So, Phelan, can you, what, what does that mean, say? Resort to or seek. Resort to. You know, how many people you, you, you here, you like to go on vacation? You like to go on vacation? Have you ever been to a resort? I mean, you go to an all-inclusive resort. You go to a resort and, and everything inside that resort has everything that you need. It's, it, it's pristine. It's beautiful. Everything's in place. It's like... You know, there's, there's just certain things that, that when you go there, it's just like the flowers and everything is just the way it needs to be. And it's a place to resort. Resort. It's a, it's a place where you go and get refreshed. Now, let's just break down the English word resort. Re being the prefix means to do again. So let's just take R-E off and, and what is the word? Sort. See, when I come to seek the Lord, it is for me to get away and let him put things in order. See, when I seek the Lord, it's me resorting to. So when I go to a resort... It is for me to get away from the busiest of life to get my life in order. So when we seek the Lord, we are resorting to, we are re-sorting. To sort something is to put it in a proper order. So if I'm going to resort, then I'm going to put things in the proper order again. Can I get an amen? Amen. So he doesn't forsake those that seek him. He doesn't forsake those that are coming to find resort in him to get exactly what they need. So I think it's time for us to go on vacation. How about you? Vic, I think we need a resort. And tell you what, God, it's it's an all-inclusive resort. Everything you have need is found in him, Vic. As Vic would say, my, my helper, I feel my helper. <laughs> you ever heard Vic? He goes, my, my helper's helping me right now. 
You, you see, we have to, this is by drawing close to God. It is about seeking him so he can put things in order. But so often we're so busy in our lives and our lives are so filled with so many things. We need to seek him so things can be put back in the proper order. The enemy wants us to live in a place where we're in chaos and we're in disorder and everything's in disarray. But his desire for us is to seek him. You know, you know, Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, without faith. It's impossible to please him for he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. See, this is, has to be as believers, our primary pursuit needs to be him more than anything else. Our primary pursuit needs to be him more than our job, more than our success, more than our relationships, more than anything else. Our primary pursuit needs to be him because when we put, when we resort to him and he puts things in order, then everything else will be put in order. Trust in honor, without faith, without trust, it's impossible to please God for he that comes to God must believe that he is. And he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, a rewarder. My heavenly father is a rewarder. Meaning there is when I come to seek him, when I go to the resort. I'm telling you, you know, hey, it's free. All expenses paid. <laughs> Resort. You see, he's a rewarder, meaning there is, there's something happens when I released trust and honor. See, seeking him is about trust and honor. And there's an exchange that take, takes place. When I release faith and I release honor, he's a rewarder of those that are releasing trust and releasing honor. There's an exchange. You, you say, well, Pastor Justin, are you talking about it? You, are you talking about works? No. I'm talking about faith in honor. Well, that sounds like, that sounds like I've got to earn something from God. No, no, it's how the kingdom operates. It's not about trying to earn something from God. It's about putting yourself in a position to receive from the kingdom. Without faith and without honor, you can't even receive salvation. And salvation is something that we couldn't even earn ourselves. By grace, are you saved through faith? And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. So, so, so by faith am I saved through faith. So through faith, I obtain grace to then receive salvation. So it's not about works. It's not about earning something. Go to, um, go to Galatians 3. I didn't know if I was going to get into this or not, but. Galatians 3. Go a little side note here. He's a rewarder, a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Now, it's not about my works. It's not about how much I read and how much I pray that determines or how much I give that's determining how much that he's a rewarder. It's my heart. It's my heart. The issue comes down to the heart. Galatians 3 verse 5 says, Therefore, therefore he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you. Now listen, he who supplies the spirit and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed, trusted God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. 
So it wasn't Abraham earning righteousness, but it was his belief all of a sudden now made things right. So you, you couldn't, you couldn't supply the gift of the spirit and you can't provide the working of miracles. So how did it come? It wasn't by the works of the law, but it was by what the hearing of faith. And it was in that just as Abraham, this says, did he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of the faith? Just as Abraham believed God and was accounted to him for righteousness. It was accounted to him for righteousness. It wasn't earning righteousness. It was, he was made righteous. It was made right. So when I release trust and honor, all of a sudden things get right. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham in the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Preach the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. So here there's this connection that Abraham was made right based on his ability to trust and honor God. I believe he's making things right. I believe as we just get into a position of trust and honor, he's making things right. He is putting things in order. We are in the resort and things are getting sorted out and things are getting made right. There's reward when we diligently seek him. There's fruit to our life of trust and our life of honor. Let's, let's go to uh, Jeremiah 17. Thank you, Father. Jeremiah 17. Just stay with me. I'm just, just kind of taking, the, taking my time teaching this morning. The word is anointed. So let the word in your heart. You know, this coming Wednesday, um, Pastor Carlo will be ministering. And you, you don't want to miss it. Because she's going to talk about hearing. Amen. I think she's going to talk about hearing. Thank you, Father. Mm. Let's look at verse 5 for just a second. It says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parts places in the wilderness in a salt land, which is not inhabited. Meaning it's, it's in a place where no one, nothing can live and nothing can be fruitful. Now, now this cursed is the man. Now, why was God dealing with the, dealing with the curse here? Well, if, if, if I had time, I could read each verse preceding this, but I do want to bring out one point in verse four. It says, and you even yourself shall let go of your heritage, which I gave you. Meaning the curse was dependent because of what they refused to hold on to. The curse now, you have to understand, the Old Testament was written from a perspective, and most people, they, they didn't understand that there was a God of this world. They didn't understand there was Satan on the loose. So everything is written is, is coming from a perspective of, of, of God doing this, but ultimately it was God. You know, it's like when the children of Israel were in the, in the garden, and all of a sudden, I mean, they were children of Israel were in the wilderness, and all of a sudden all the snakes came out to bite them. The, the issue, the snakes were always there. All of a sudden, God did, just didn't create snakes. The issue was, is, is, is because of what they were honoring and what they were trusting in, all of a sudden, this, this, this protection was lifted. And all of a sudden, it caused the environment, was all, the, the, the enemy that was already there to be able to come in. So because they let go of their heritage, how did they let go of their heritage? It, said, it says this, they were trusting in flesh and their hearts departed from the Lord. So, so because of what their heart was, 
was either pursuing or not pursuing, it opened them up to the curse. It opened them up. Now think about it. They, it didn't say that they didn't experience good. It just said they couldn't see good. Good was right there all the time. The the thing is, is they were choosing to see the curse. They were choosing to see the negative. They were choosing to live in, 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 in the brokenness and choosing to live. I did that for so many years in my life that, that, that I couldn't see God working in my life, but he was working. But yet I was still choosing to go after my, my wants and go after the things that I liked and go after what my heart wanted and instead of what God wanted. And therefore it was opening me up to things that God never wanted me to experience. God did not want me to experience certain things. But yet I was opening myself up to it and I couldn't see the good. Even my parents or loved ones or, or sitting in a church service and hearing things and hearing, hearing God's word and knowing things were being spoken to me. I refused to see the good because I wanted in, in what's for me. I wanted what's in it for me. So this, this curse you have to understand was all subject based on what they were trusting in and what they were honoring. Now let's go to verse seven. But it says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spread out its roots by the river. So this is the person that's trusting in the Lord. Blessed is the man. I sure like the sound of blessed is the man versus cursed is the man. I've been cursed and I've been blessed. And I'm telling you, blessing is so much better. Pastor, are you saying that, are you saying that, you know, because you're blessed, you don't experience bad things? (laughs) You should follow, follow, follow me around a little bit. <laughs> Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord, for he shall be like a tree. See, the person that trusts in the Lord is like a tree that spread out its roots, meaning I'm not moving. I'm not moving. See, a person that is just going after their flesh, which most of our world is today, a person that just, just their heart departs from the Lord, they're going to be all over the place, up one day, down the next, and everything's going to be dependent on how they feel. That's what our world is. How, how do you feel? Well, I just feel this way. Well, just because you feel that way doesn't mean that's the truth. Oh, I could go in some soapboxes I want. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. He shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spread out its roots by the river. Now listen to this. And will not fear when heat comes. Now, it doesn't say that heat doesn't come, Dave. See, that it, it, see, this is the blessed man. The blessed man. It, it ha- doesn't matter the, what, what heat. It doesn't matter about the heat, Jeremiah. It doesn't matter. What does it say? He doesn't fear it. So having the blessing on your life has nothing to do with not ever having storms, adversity, the heat, <laughs> heat. Exhaustion, oppression. He spreads out his roots by the river and what he doesn't fear when heat comes. Why doesn't he fear? Because his roots are spread out, meaning his roots are still tapping into a supply. You see, because he's trusting in the Lord, the roots, he's planted by the waters and his roots spread out. Meaning, meaning, yeah, the water might be way over there. I might not even be able to see the river, Joseph, but, but you know, my, my roots have gone down deep and they have stretched out so far. Why? And that's why I don't care when heat comes. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to fear. Why? Because my roots are still tapping, tapping in to a supernatural source. 
My roots are still tapping into something that's beyond me. Something's greater than me. Something that's more than me. See, this is what happens when you are seeking the Lord and you go to a resort. You're planted by the rivers. You're planted by the pool of glory. And you let your, you let your roots go out. You let your roots go out and you tap into his strength. You tap into his ability. And it doesn't matter what's coming your way. It doesn't matter what you're facing. Why? Because I'm still refreshed by the rivers of living water. I don't fear when heat comes. And then it says, but it's his leaf. The one that trusts his leaf will be green. His leaf will be green. What does this mean? Meaning I'm still producing fruit in times of adversity. I'm still flourishing. I'm still flourishing. I'm still, I'm still growing. I'm growing. Yeah, there could be, there could be chaos all around us and things are withering and things are dying, but Hey, Hey, in in the midst of this adversity, in the midst of the heat, my leaves are still green. My leaves are still green. Hallelujah. And then it says this, but, but it's leaves will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought. In the year of drought, I'm not going to be anxious in the year of drought. And then it says, nor will cease yielding fruit. I won't cease yielding fruit. This is the person that trusts in the Lord. Trust and honor. Trust and honor. Trust and honor brings reward. What is the reward here? I'm going to be fruitful. I'm not going to fear. I'm going to be planted. I'm going to be immovable. Now, what's the, what, now, now let's look at a fruit of honor. Let's go to... First Chronicles chapter four. First Chronicles chapter four. That was probably about twenty years ago, or you know, there was the the prayer of Jabez. Remember that the books that came out, and you know, it's, you know, it, it's only like just a paragraph in in, in the Bible. I mean, that's, you don't know a whole lot about Jabez. But I want to I want to look at this fruit or the reward of honor. Slow down the clocks, Holy Spirit. First Chronicles chapter four. Let's look at verse 10. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying. So if he called, then he's trusting in. If he's calling It's because he honors. You would never call on something that you didn't trust. And you wouldn't call on something you don't honor. So because, and Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. That you would enlarge my territory. Hallelujah. Father, enlarge our territory. Oh, Father, as a church, enlarge our territory. Father, enlarge our influence. Hallelujah. Enlarge our bank accounts. Enlarge our businesses. Enlarge our influence. That's what Jabez is praying. He's he's praying. You know why he's praying this? Because he got stuck with a bad name. He got stuck with a bad name. How would you like to be known as... (laughs) The man or the boy of pain. Think about that. It's like, (laughs) wow, thanks, mom. Appreciate that. And the thing is, is he was, he was tired of being conformed to who he had been. And, and so he gets to this place and he says, oh God, that you would, uh, that you would bless me. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory that your hand would be with me. Your hand would be with me. 2022, the year of God's open hand. So who was he praying? He's praying, Lord, I want you to bless me. What does he say? Enlarge my territory. And, and what does he say? That your hand would be upon, be with me, that you would keep me from evil and that I may not cause pain. That was his prayer. I don't want to be the cause of pain anymore. I want to be the cause of blessing. I want to be able to be enlarged so I have the ability to be greater than what I've ever been. I don't want to be one that's a cause of pain. I want to be the one that's caused a blessing. 
And one of the greatest statements it says here, so God granted him what he requested. Wow. He granted him what he requested. What are you requesting? Now, why did God hear a prayer like that? I mean, who is this guy? Who is this Jabez, a man of pain? What, what was so significant and why would God respond to this? Let's look at verse nine. This is why. Now, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez saying, because I bore him in pain. And so he calls on the Lord to enlarge his territory. Why? He was more honorable. Honor will always release favor and blessing upon your life. You see, it says of Jesus, it said he grew in wisdom with the favor, grew in wisdom and favor with God and man. Trust and honor will put you in places to operate in the blessing in the kingdom and in the earth. This trust and honor. There's rewards to this trust and honor. Seeking the Lord is about trust and honor. And when I come to seek the Lord and I resort to him and he resorts things out, then what happens is it opens me up to the blessing that he has for my life. Now I want to transition. Now let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 29. Are you with me this morning? Thank you, Father. I believe the Spirit of the Lord is ministering to us. Now, there's one word I want to deal with the rest of our time here this morning. One word to define trust and honor. What am I getting to this morning? I know I took some time to lay this foundation, but what is the purpose of trust and honor? If I could, if I could have one word that could define trust and honor... It would be this one word, worship. What is worship? It's expression of trust and it's an expression of honor. I said earlier, worship is not a song we sing. Worship is my heart in a position of trust and a position of honor. Worship. From the beginning of this book to the end of this book, It's all about getting God's people to a position and place of worship. I mean, Adam and Eve in the garden. Why why did Adam and Eve fall in the garden? What, What was this? They were worshiping at the wrong tree. They could have hung out at the tree of, uh, of, of life, but they choose to ha- hang out at the, at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and they could have every tree in the garden, even, even the one that had life, but they chose to hang out at this other one. And it's because they were worshiping at the wrong tree that caused them to operate under a curse. And I guarantee you what you're worshiping is going to determine whether you're going to operate in the curse or operate in the blessing. I mean, the whole, the whole deal with Noah, what was the whole issue? Genesis 6 said, because every heart of man was evil continually. What was that? There was no heart of trust and honor towards God, except for a house full of eight. That's five, eight. <laughs> I mean, the children of Israel being in bondage for, for 430 years. And you could say, well, well, why was God taking them out of, out of the, out, out of Egypt? Well, yeah, they were taking them in the promised land. Okay. That's part of it. But what did God tell Moses? He said, I want you to go in and I want you to talk to Pharaoh and I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go so they can take a three day journey to go worship me. See, the issue for them to come out of Egypt wasn't, wasn't strictly going to the promised land. The issue of coming out of Egypt was worship. 
Look at Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 5, Exodus chapter 19. And the whole point for them to come out of Egypt was so they could worship God. So God had to set up all these different things to be able to connect with man, not for them to jump through hoops. But the whole point is if God just showed up in their midst, he would destroy them all. So he had to show up in a way and create avenues and, uh, and, and hindrances so they wouldn't be destroyed. But yet they could still understand this aspect of relationship and worship. Wish I had time to even talk about the elements and, and, and all the different elements of the, of the tabernacle and, and go into all those and, and what happened when he prepared them all and how the glory fell. But if you get to, when you get to the second Chronicles chapter 29, thank you, father. I will not be in a hurry. I will not be in a hurry. Thank you, father. Verse one says, Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old. 25 years old, he became the king. Don't let your age hinder you, young or old. And he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abijah and daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. That's trust. That's honor. According to all that his father David had done. Now listen to this. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and he repaired them. Why? Because the previous king took locks and put them on the house of God. Then he brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them in the east square and said to them, hear me, Levites, now sanctify yourselves. Now, now he's having to tell the priest and the Levites. I mean, come on, (laughs) the priests and the, who are the Levites? If you're an usher in the church, just raise your hand. You're a Levite. If you're a greeter, you're a Levite. If you work in the children's ministry, you're a Levite. The Levites are just the ones that did everything in the house of God. They were the, those serving the house of God, the ministry of help, so to speak. So he had to call the church and the pastors together. And said, hear me, Levites, now sanctify yourselves, sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry out the rubbish from the holy place. Hmm. See, sometimes things need to get resorted. We need to go on a resort and seek the Lord because when you seek the Lord, things get resorted. For our fathers have trespassed and done evil in the eyes of the Lord our God. Our fathers. They have forsaken him, turned their faces away from the dwelling place of the Lord, turned their backs on him. They have also shut up the doors of the, of the porch or the vestibule. They put out the lamps and have not burned incense or offered offerings in the holy place to the God of Israel. Now, we know, we, we, I taught like 14 weeks on altars. And what was the one thing? The light should never go out. The fire should never go out. So here they pretty much were doing nothing. Thank you, Father. Verse 10. Now it is my heart. It is in my heart. Now this is the king, not a priest and not a Levite. Now it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel. That his fierce wrath may turn away from us. My sons, do not neglect now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, and that you should minister to him and burn incense. Now, now you say, well, this is Old Testament, Pastor. I want you to understand that the Old Testament is a type and shadow. Now, I'm not saying that we're we're going to go sacrifice, start sacrificing bulls and goats and burn incense in here. That's not the point. The point is that you have to understand that the Old Testament is a type and shadow of what is today. So what was he, what did he chosen for? I'm choosing you to stand before him. I'm telling you, you've been chosen to stand before him. You've been chosen to serve him. You've been chosen to chosen to minister to him and you've been chosen to burn incense. What is incense? It's your gifts. It's your offerings. It's your alms. It's your praise. It's your worship. It's your offerings. 
Let's go to verse 15. And they gathered their brethren, sanctified themselves. They went according to the commandment of the king at the crowds of the Lord to cleanse the house of the Lord. Then the priest went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it. And they brought out all the debris. See, there was rubbish and there was debris that they found in the temple of the Lord. See, see, our heart is the temple. What kind of rubbish and what kind of debris is hindering you from letting him put things in order? Thank you, Father. Verse 17. Now they began to sanctify on the first day of the first month. And on the eighth day of the month, they came to the porch of the Lord. So they sanctified the house of the Lord in eight days. And on the 16th day of the first month, they finished. To 16 days. Then they went into the king Hezekiah and said, we have cleansed all the house of the Lord, the altar of burnt offerings with all the articles and the table of the showbread with all its articles. Moreover, all uh, of uh, moreover, will the articles which King Ahaz in his reign had cast aside in his transgression. We have prepared and sanctified. And there they are before the altar of the Lord. Man, what are they doing? They're preparing what other people tore down. I know I'm reading a lot here, but I, I believe it's important. Verse 20, then King Hezekiah rose early, gathered the rulers of the city and went up to the house of the Lord. And they brought seven bulls, seven rams, seven lambs and seven male goats for a sin offering for the kingdom. That's verse uh, 22. So they killed the bulls and the priests received the blood. They sprinkled on the altar. Likewise, they killed the rams and sprinkled the blood on the altar. They also killed the lambs and sprinkled the blood on the altar. Then they brought out the male goats for the sin offering. Verse 24, and, and the priests killed them and they presented their blood on the altar as a sin offering to make an atonement for all Israel. For the king commanded that the burnt offering and the sin offering should be made for all of Israel. Verse 27, then Hezekiah commanded them to offer the burnt offering on the altar. And when the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord also began. With the trumpets and the instruments, David, the king of Israel. So all the assembly worshipped. The singer sang and the trumpeter sounded. All this continued until the burnt offering was finished. I think about it, they're burning all these, 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 and I could have gone and told you how many animals it was. But they were singing to the Lord and they were worshipping the Lord. And they did this until the burnt offerings were gone. I'm telling you, there's, there's, it's a hard time for, for, for people to get worship for 10 minutes. Oh, God, you got this long to show up. If you don't show up within that hour and 40 minutes, I'm done. But they sang unto the Lord and they they were worshiping the Lord and they did this until all the burnt offerings were gone. All this continued until the burnt offering was finished. And when they had finished offering, the king and all who were present with him bowed and worshiped. Moreover, King Hezekiah and the leaders command the Levites to sing praises to the Lord with the words of David and Asaph the seer. What were, the, what were those words? It was Psalm 73, Psalms 50, Psalms 50, Psalms 73 through Psalms 83. That's what they were singing to the Lord. So they sang praises with gladness and they bowed their heads and worshiped. Then Hezekiah answered and said, now that you have consecrated yourself to the Lord, come near and bring your sacrifices and thank offering into the house of the Lord. So it went from sin offering to burn offering to a thank offering. So the assembly brought in sacrifices and thank offerings. And as many as were of a willing heart brought burnt offerings. I'm not going to read all the numbers. Verse 34. But the priests, now listen, but the priests were too few. So what they could not skin all the burnt offerings. Therefore, their brethren, the Levites helped them until the work was ended and until the other priests had sanctified themselves. Now get this. They had so many offerings that came in. There was only so many priests. And so they had to go get other people. They had to go get other people. Hey, hey, come on, come on, come on, come on. Yeah, I know you're just an usher, but come on. We need you. We need you. you yeah, you got gifts. You got talents. Yes, come on, come on. And they had to get all these other people until what? The other priests had then sanctified themselves. I believe we're stepping into a season where, where this is spiritually going to happen, where a move of God is taking place so great that it doesn't matter your office. It doesn't matter your position. Well, come on, come on. Hey, God's moving. God's doing things. 
things are happening. Hey, the, hey, the community are coming by the thousands. The community are coming by the thousands. Hey, hey, we need you. Come on. We need, we need help with these sacrifices. We need help with the ministry of the, of, of the Lord's house. <coughs> are you with me this morning? I'm, I'm, I believe I'm speaking a little prophetically this morning. Thank you, Father. But the priests were too few so that they could not skin all the burnt offerings. Therefore, their brethren, the Levites, helped them until the work was ended. Now, listen, until other priests had sanctified themselves. See, see, it took other priests to sanctify themselves to step up. And this is my encouragement to you. There are some priests in this house. There are some pre- priests in your home. It's time for you to step up. Because it wasn't until the priests sanctified themselves. Also, the burnt offerings were in abundance with the fat of peace offerings and with the drink offerings and every burnt offering. Man, that's a lot of offerings. Now, listen. So the service of the, of the house of the Lord was set in order. Then Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced that God had prepared the people since the event took place suddenly. It took place suddenly. We are in a season of acceleration. We're in a season of momentum. I've got, I got my watch on. What time is it? It's, it's time for momentum. It's time for acceleration. Now, I wrote this down out of a commentary. It said, how he determined, dictated this. It said, the hand of God was seen in such speed with which the revolution was affected. There was a sudden turn in people's hearts from indifference to passion. All this was happening so quickly. All that God had prepared was done suddenly. The Amplified says it like this. Everything that God had prepared was done suddenly. I believe there's some things that God has prepared for you. There's things he prepared for me in every realm of our lives. And it's going to happen suddenly. There's some relationships that are going to come together suddenly. There's going to see breakthroughs together come. He's preparing suddenly. There's going to be some relationships that are going to connect. There's going to be divine appointments. There's things going to happen in our community, in our nation. And things, things that he has prepared are going to come together suddenly. There's some things that are going to happen suddenly. There's going to be some immediate, the things he's preparing. I believe as we seek the Lord in this season and we seek him in this now season, there's things that he is sorting out. There's things he's preparing. There's things he's putting in order. And as we step into it and keep our eyes on him in trust and honor, things are going to happen suddenly. Things are going to happen suddenly. But it all came back. This all had to do with them opening the house of God again. Everything that God wants to do is going to come from the house of God. And let me close with these thoughts. That turning there. Acts 26, 20. Paul said, Paul's encouragement was this. Repent. Turn to God. And do works befitting your pursuit. That was Paul's message. Repent and turn to God. It wasn't just repent of your sin, but it's turn to God. This word, if I could show you, the word means worship. 1 Corinthians three sixteen says, Do you not know that you're the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you? 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is from God? You are not your own. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So you're the temple. Now, we were talking about the, a man-made temple. But as a New Testament, as Jesus came, as Jesus was our sin offering. Jesus was the, the sin offering. He was the one that, that went into the Holy of Holies and he worshiped God in the heavenly throne room. He took blood and he put it poured on the mercy seat for you and for me so he could then dwell in our hearts. We are the temple. We have to get the rubbish out. We have to get the, the, the debris out. We have to get the things hindering us from living a life of trust and honor, which is what? Worship. Hallelujah. We're going to receive communion. Gentlemen, you can pass out the elements.
Worship is an aspect of communion. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Who is in you and he's from God. You're not your own. And what does it say? Therefore, glorify God. What is glorify God? It's trust, it's honor. Which is what? Worship. Worship God in your body. In your body. Your body was created to worship God. Worship God in your body and in your spirit. Hallelujah. Now they're passing out. It's, it, they're, take both cups. Take both cups. The, his body is underneath the other cup. The bread there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As we take communion, I want it to be an act of, of what we read in Second Chronicles 29. Unlocking the doors. Maybe you, you've had your heart locked towards God. Open, open the doors. Let God in. Give him position in place this morning. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord. He shall be like the tree planted by rivers of water. He doesn't, he doesn't fear when, when he comes. He's not anxious in the year of drought. Meaning his... His emotions aren't moved by what's happening around him. But he's trusting and hoping in the Lord. I'm so grateful that Jesus is our sacrifice. I'm so grateful that we have an all-sufficient Savior. And I wish time to go to some more scriptures. You can write down Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. It says, we draw near with full assurance of faith that our minds are sprinkled from an evil conscience. Meaning my mind is clean. My, my, my mind is sprinkled from an evil conscience as I draw near with full assurance of faith, as I draw near with trust and honor and I worship him. He, 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 he washes over me. He pours into the things needed. He, he reveals how much he loves me, how much he, 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 he hopes for me, the things and purposes that he has for my life. Hallelujah. So we take communion. It is drawing near with full assurance of faith. Thank you, Father. There's a number of scriptures I could go to as we take communion, but I'm going to go to Luke chapter 22. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As we take communion. Look at it as a, an act of going on a vacation, going to a resort to let him sort things out. Something Annette sent me and something we were listening to. If I don't say it right, you can, you can share it. When he talked about communion. And chapter 22 verse 14 it says and when the hour had come he sat down and the twelve apostles with him then he said to them with fervent desire fervent desire passion I've desired to eat this Passover with you I didn't read was 
Thank you, Holy Spirit. Was the very next chapter in 2 Chronicles 30. Very next verse after he, what he prepared, he does suddenly. He says this. And Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Judah and also wrote letters to Ephraim and Manasseh that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to keep the Passover of the Lord God of Israel. That's why this connects. Because the whole point of preparing the temple was so they could once again celebrate the Passover. And Jesus said, I desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So he said, take this and divide it among you. The next verse said, and he took bread and he gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do it in remembrance of me. Remember the sacrifice. Remember me. This is this whole aspect of communion is an aspect in my heart, from my heart. And I want you to understand this about communion, that communion and you come to the communion table is trust and honor. I honor the sacrifice and I trust the one who sent the sacrifice and I trust the one who was sacrificed. And when I come to this table, it's worship. It's worship. He said, this is my body. Let's hold the cracker up. Father, we thank you for your body that was broken for us. We thank you for the sin sacrifice. Thank you for removing every bit of debris from our hearts. Thank you for giving us a position, a place. Thank you for taking stripes on your back for our healing. Thank you for being bruised for our iniquities. Thank you for taking on this that chastisement so we didn't have to. We do it. We do this in remembrance of you. And we remember that it's a finished work. So let's take of his body. says likewise he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you it's interesting in second chronicles 29 hezekiah said i want to make a i want to make a covenant so jesus says here this is the cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you Jesus in Ephesians 2 says we can draw near because of the blood of Jesus. Thank you. That we have a right to come and worship. It said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 said that as often as we do this and we drink of this cup that we do it in remembrance of you. trust the giver and I trust the sacrifice that it was a finished work for me I choose and we choose to glorify you in this body and in our spirit which are yours 
we do this in remembrance of you and take of his blood. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for revealing to us worship. Revealing to us worship. Father, I thank you for the things that you prepared. And I thank you for the things that are happening suddenly. We rejoice in the great victories. We rejoice that in 2022, we will see the hand of the Lord upon our lives like we never have before. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Hallelujah. We'll give him a shout of praise this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Father. You'll be seated just for a moment. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Did you have anything, Pastor Carla? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Pastor Justin from the beginning of this wonderful service. Church, wasn't this a blessing? So anointed, heartfelt, heart-rendering. How important it is to let the Lord sort and sift through our hearts all the time. Judging our thoughts our intents, our motives, our attitudes. Don't think the small things don't matter. They matter. Because, Pastor, I sense a great turning coming. But it starts in the heart. Of the believer turning toward the Lord. A great turning is coming. We're going to see this in this nation and in other nations. But it can only happen as we open our hearts to the Lord as happened in this service. This was a service to open our hearts to the Lord. And just say, Lord, sort and sift. Sort and sift. Where I'm out of order. Where my thinking is not godly. Where my attitudes are not worthy. Wrong attitudes. Where my motives are impure, they're selfish, and self-centered. I need you to reveal that to me. Come every day with that attitude of sorting and sifting. And then, Pastor, I, from the beginning of the service, felt, I mean, I kept hearing the Lord say in my heart, Remember, I was so glad we took communion because we remember. That's our instruction. Remember. And the Lord kept saying, remember that I am a prevailing spirit. Amen. I am a prevailing spirit. Thank you. Doesn't matter what we're going through. He is a prevailing spirit. Thank you, Father. There is no weapon formed against us that can prosper when we're in the spirit. Walking in the spirit, sorting and sifting is what it takes to walk in the spirit. And church, as, as we took communion today, that's what my heart was singing with. The Lord is a prevailing spirit. And he will prevail over every enemy that has risen up against you. you. He will prevail 
over sickness, over infirmity, over fear, over all the weapons. I don't know, you may see, it may look like in your life that the enemy has prevailed. That's a lie. Right. The spirit of the holy God Amen. is a prevailing spirit. Yes, and the Lord is raising up warriors who will stand in the face of the enemy just like they're doing in Ukraine. My goodness, they're, I've never seen such a fighting spirit. And, uh, but the Lord wants that fighting spirit in us. Why? Because he's a prevailing spirit. He will prevail over your enemies. He will prevail over the weapons that have been formed against you. So could you just lift your hands right now. And Father, we're actually full of joy, Lord. (laughs) We're laughing in the face of our enemies. Thank you, you, Lord. Because you are a prevailing spirit. Thank you, Father. The greater one prevails over our enemies. Lord, we will not let you go until our enemies are underneath our feet. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We lift up our voices Amen. against the weapons of war thank that you, the Father. enemy has launched. Thank you, Father. And Father, we thank Father. you and worship you today in full confidence you, that you are a prevailing spirit. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Look to your neighbor and say, I win. win. Hallelujah. Nikki.